to enjoy life. You have one chance and you have one heart. And if you carry all that hatred in your heart, you're preventing yourself that happiness that life is all about. You should just enjoy life, enjoy what life has to offer. And for me personally, there is nothing better in life than the laughter of a child, than to be able to pay it forward and help somebody in need, to watch them find that inner spirit and inner life again. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Contagious Smile. I have this beautiful young lady with me today. Her name is Jackie. Unfortunately, because we're doing audio only, you don't get to see this woman is actually very pretty. Um, I appreciate so much you finding time to work us in with your schedule, Jackie. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Jackie is a survivor, to say the least. Do you want to go and tell us a little bit about your story to start us off? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um you know, it's it's interesting because you, you thank you for the compliment about how I look. But, you know, for most of my life, I grow up feeling so ugly and awful and with such bad uh, abusive brain chatter, you call it, which I'll get into later. But, um, you know, I was the third of four children and uh, my mother was bipolar and um, she was suicidal. And when I was four years old, uh, she tried to commit suicide, her first big attempt with all my sisters in the house. And so it was very traumatic. Uh, the ambulance came and they, they, you know, they carted her out and I got picked up by a neighbor. And the neighbor said to me, I, the neighbor whispered to another neighbor, how could a mother leave her children like that? You, Do you know, remember this? Oh, yeah. That's what I remember. At four, I remember that shame. Instantly, I remember that shame. I remember being held by that woman, not liking her. My body just instantly, you know, it, it, it just felt it. And um, knowing that my mother had done something wrong. Right. And that there was, you know, something to be ashamed of. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, that, that's how I started, right? And then as I got, uh, um, as I got older... You know, I uh, I was uh, uh, abused, sexually abused, uh, when I was five or six. And again, it didn't feel like, uh, it, it wasn't awful, because I was so young, I didn't understand. But the shame of how I reacted afterwards, in other words, I, I, I completely forgot it, and um, but I started acting out sexually as a small child. So I grew up with a lot of shame, right? And um, and then, you know, I started eating, overeating. That was how I shoved down that shame. And I, which then created even more shame. And I was, you know, never good enough and never thin enough and never, you know, my sisters were always better than me in my mind. And so I started to develop this abusive brain chatter. Um, which was, you know, you're not, you're not as pretty as your sisters. And my mother, um, want, my mother was very vain and she really wanted, um, me to look good. And I was a tomboy. And so she, she sent me to charm school. She sent me to, um, diet, diet doctors, you know, weight watchers, um, she was doing it all for, for the, what she thought was the good of, right. of me 
but not realizing that what she was doing is she was feeding my bully, right? And she, she obviously had a bully if she was going to kill herself. So I kind of like took on her bully, right? And it just kind of framed who I was. It was somebody who, one, couldn't speak up for herself because her mother would kill herself in my mind. This was my, my mind. I had to be good. I had to be invisible. And I couldn't speak up for myself. So I, I, I went through a life of, of shame and self-bullying, self-abuse. Um, and I would do things like uh, act out, when I got older, act out sexually and then act out uh, with food. So, you know, just binge, binge, binge and then diet, and then, you know, just, it was really um, a very painful life. I had to just keep that all down. And when we have secrets, I was just talking to somebody about that, when we have secrets, um, and a truth that we know, and we don't share it, it, it starts eating us inside, and we have to start filling it with alcohol, or drugs, or uh, addictive relationships, and that's what happened to me. I became, um, I thought I was not good enough for uh, a man. That was my mother, that was my mother's um, goal for me was to get married. That's why she wanted me to look beautiful and go to charm school and sit right and have my nails done and look pretty and all of those things. Because I was nothing, you know, in her mind, I was nothing without a man. And she had to get me ready to have a man in my life. So, of course, I took the first man that I could find hostage, right? And I became very codependent. And he was emotionally abusive. Um, he wasn't, a, he, he was a, a gambler, as was my mother, <laughs> right? No coincidence, huh? And um, so I continued on with, I'm not good enough. This is the best I can get. Thank God this guy loves me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and like weeks after we got married, he started cheating on me. I found out he'd been cheating on me, but you know, can I really do any better than this? So maybe I have to just kind of accept this. And that's what I did. I accepted it in my marriage because um, he became my my drug, right. you know, the person who was going to feed me. And, um, I, you know, when I, when I, I'm going to turn this off. When I got older, I asked my mother, I said to my mother, why in the world, um, how could you do that? You know, that same question that that person asked my asked, you know, was asking the other neighbor, how could she do that? And my mother said, she said, I believed that you would be better off without me. And I believe that your father would be better off without me. And so I really got a clue as to what was going on in my mother's head. I mean, that was, that was a pretty strong bully. If she thought, she, and I know she adored her children, but if she thought that she was that her children were better off without her then that you know then she, then then I then I was just taking on her her bully you know that 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 was something that I was that that, that had to you know I had to somehow all of, I, I guess all of my sisters we all had to kind of own a little of that right because that kind of is that 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 will come through so anyway so I was married and um again my husband would would cheat and would, um, you know, would, would gamble and would lie and, you know, things like that. And I really knew that he didn't, well, I felt like he didn't love me because I couldn't make him be the husband I wanted. 
Exactly. He had his own demons. And my job was to fix his demons so that he would fix my demons. Um, and when I think back to that, I think how painful that, that, that was, that time in my life. There, there was just nobody in the shell of a woman. And it took me, we, we got a divorce, and, we, and I, as soon as we got a divorce, I think I got a little bit of strength again, but then I got fearful again, and I pulled him back in. And I, I know that there's probably a lot of people here who have been emotionally abused and wonder why they keep going back for more, or been physically abused and wonder why they keep going back for more. And at the time, it made sense to me emotionally, like I needed this person um, because there was nothing, there was a shell of a person inside. I had grown up completely shut off from who I was. Um, and so I remarried him. And um, at one point I was in therapy and I remember the therapist saying, I don't think you're ever going to be able to leave him. And it was like, um, why did yeah. the therapist tell you that? I know, I know. And I, because I guess I felt so addicted, I was so addicted. And I decided, no, uh, you know, one day um, it was like, it was time. I mean, I was in a 12-step program. Uh, and I really highly suggest that. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't share enough how I think the twelve steps is a is a wonderful program. Um, and I started to learn about who I was, and I started to let go of that childhood pain. And as I started to let go of that childhood pain, I realized I didn't want to allow any more pain into my life. Right. I was letting. I started the valve. I opened up that little valve, and I was letting it out. Mm-hmm. And the um, and so we got a divorce, and I um, it took me about oh God even even after he left, I was I um, was still broken. I was broken for about twelve years. I'd have to say um, I was still obsessed with him, obsessed with what he was doing in his life, obsessed with the fact that he wasn't paying child support obsessed with the fact that I didn't feel like I was strong enough to be a single mother and support my children. And, you know, I, I just, it's not like I left him and I, and I stepped into me. I left him and and there was a hole. (laughs) There was a hole. And so at one point I just woke up and I said, no, no, I'm not living in, I'm not living this way anymore. This is, this is something I've given up. And Half my life is over. Do I want to live the other half of my life like my first half? And I knew that if that was the case, then I had to leave my emotional abuser. And my emotional abuser was me. Because my emotional abuser was telling me that I wasn't smart enough to make money at work. I couldn't support my children. I'm a terrible mother. At that point, my son had gone to live with my my mother, my older son, because he was acting out. And because I was really, there was no mother there for him. I was just the shell of a woman. And, you know, he needed, he needed boundaries. <laughs> and I, I had none. And, um, and I just p- pulled myself up one day at a time. I just started to realize that I can't talk to myself anymore that way. That I know I am not a person who can't earn money, who can't support my children, who can't find a man, who can't be in a healthy relationship. 
Um, those were all things I was telling myself. But the truth was, is that until I came to terms with them, until I came to terms with what I was saying to myself, I couldn't make changes, right? Absolutely. Because I was believing that chatter in my head. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in counseling. And I went in and I, and I got counseling so that I could challenge that thinking. And, like, who said that? Who told you you couldn't do that? Well, you know, my mother said I had to blah, blah, blah. Well, is that true? Mm, no. Okay, is that a belief you want to hold on to? Well, no. Well, so what's your new belief going to be? Um, and so that's the kind of thinking that I did. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of work that I did. Um, and I just have to share, I'm 69 years old. Oh, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, I am. Oh, no way. I would have never, ever, ever, ever guessed it. <laughs> right. So this is when I, when I was in my 40s. I wasted 40 years of my life with this belief that I wasn't good enough, with this belief that I'd done something wrong, with this belief, the shame of uh, why was I acting out sexually? What was wrong with me? Um, why am I eating? Why can't I stop eating? What's wrong with me? All of these things. Um, how could I live with somebody that long? What was wrong with me? Uh, what was wrong with me that I allowed that behavior? What's wrong with that? You know, I used to hate, I remember talking to somebody and I said, um, this was when I was married, and I said, uh, my husband didn't come home and he lied to me, and I, just, I feel like such a fool. I feel so foolish. I feel embarrassed. And she said, wait a minute, he lied to you. He didn't come home. And you feel like a fool? Right. What's wrong with this picture here? You know, it's this, this you've got this 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 glass you've got this pair of glasses tuned in on you on all the negative. You know, how about if we just turn that whole thinking around? Right. And that's what I had to do. And when I started dating again, um, I actually went to a, a therapist and I do this in my relationship coaching. Um, I check in with what are the flags? Like, is this person abusive? Is this person emotionally available? Mm -hmm. and because I didn't know, I still didn't know what right. constituted emotionally available. I had lived with so emotionally unavailable for so many years with my mother, with my husband. I just lived, I just lived with people who were in their addiction and un, unavailable. And I had to say, I had to go out on a date and come back and say, Okay, this person, this is what happened, and is this person emotionally available? No, that, that person's giving you signals they're not emotionally available. Okay, so that's not a, a relationship I want to pursue. And I had to just climb my way back up, bit by bit. But it, it had to come from a place of um, honesty and not feeling shame, Victoria. I was like, you know... Um, as long as I stayed in shame, as long as I listened to that voice in my head, that voice in my head was going to protect me from ever getting hurt again because it knew how badly battered I was. So it's going to tell me, you're not good enough to get somebody. You're not smart enough. You're not this. It's going to tell me that so I don't go out there and take chances. Mm -hmm. So the key to it is this abusive brain chatter. That To me, this is one of the keys to it. This is how I work with my clients it's like, let's get to know that abusive brain chatter, figure out what it's saying, and let's take each piece and let's challenge it. 
let's first find a belief, a real true belief. Is that really true? Is there somewhere deep inside of me, am I really a loser? Is that really a truth? Well, no, that's not the voice I want to talk to me. The voice that I want to talk to me says you're beautiful, you're a loving human being, it's a spiritual voice. I will share with you, I'm very spiritual, that was the way I found my way out because the voices that I heard were you're not good enough, all of that. Even my husband was, you know, I just, I felt like how, what kind of a bad person must I be to live with this kind of behavior? Right. So, um, that's what I had to do. I had to first become aware that this was going on, that I was emotionally abusing myself. Emotional abuse is gaslighting, uh, talking about your weight, telling, commenting on your looks, I, having, isolating you, making you isolate. Well, sitting in my house eating boxes of cereal was isolating. Gaslighting me anytime I thought I had any chance of doing anything in my life telling me I was fat and ugly and no one's going to love me, those were all, uh, those were signs of uh, abuser. And I just decided it's, it's time to leave both abusers, my marriage and my own abuser. So that's the work I've done. And now at 69, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I love myself. I've created, a, just from, from that day on, I, I created a life for myself that was about stepping into who I wanted to be. And, you know, as you get to be my age, 69, 70, and other people watching will know that you start also having um, ch chatter that is about the way you look and about the way you're invisible in the world and about the way you're feeling in the world. And it, be it creates another challenge, you know, the neck, the face, the hair, you know, all of that stuff. And so I'm finding that I have to continue to challenge my chatter right. and that's become my life's work i mean that's what i do with people i'm definitely gonna have to talk with you because i've had such an issue myself <clears throat> being that i've had you know as many surgeries as i've had to correct what he did and then on top of that all the scars that he himself gave me like you know i always tell the the people i work with and my clients that you know scars are a reminder of your strength but like if you see on both sides of my face I had a little girl one time tell me, oh, it's Frankenstein. And it's because of the scars here. <clears throat> I've had to have both my mandula and my mandibular jaws re replaced. All of this is titanium in my face. Wow. So um, every bit of it, you can actually feel this is all metal. Every bit of all of this down is metal. <clears throat> and it has to be replaced every 20 years. Um, I'm like the bionic woman. I have metal everywhere you can imagine. And then some, I don't have any bones in my hands. It's all screws, pens, and, and uh, plates. And mm -hmm. even my fingers, they're all, so I get that. And it's, it's so challenging the whole, like, I'm so unattractive and, you know, because I have all of this that I didn't have. And, and I don't want, like, I tell my daughter all the time, she's gorgeous. She's so beautiful. And she's like, so are you mom? And I'm like, thank you. So I, I totally understand that completely. But I mean, you know, I, I don't believe the age thing. So <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. Tell me what your ABCs are. I, I am so interested in this, what your ABC is. So the ABCs of abusive brain chatter are uh, just a way to remember mm -hmm. um, uh, that one, be aware of what you're saying to yourself. So when your daughter says, oh, mama, you're so beautiful, and you, your voice says, no, you're not, 
that's right at that moment you go oh there's that chatter right so be aware that that's the chatter and and be aware of signs of emotional abuse um emotional abuse again commenting on the way you look bullying all of those things so was that comment that you said to yourself emotional abuse right Right, oh, but no. I don't make the comments out loud, especially if right. I don't say it in front of my daughter right. or whatever. But. but inside your head, right. that's emotional abuse. So you say, ah, okay, I'm emotionally abusing myself. B, so that's aware. B is to believe. And that's where you take your spiritual journey. That's where you go inside of yourself and you need to find that loving voice. Um, and I take people, you know, in my spiritual coaching, I take them on a spiritual journey. Um, to find that voice because you have to be able to combat that. When that voice comes up and says, oh, no, you're not, you're not pretty, you have to be able to combat it and say, "Um, yeah, I'm a beautiful soul. I remember hearing that. That's the voice I want to listen to. You know, whatever your spirit guide is, God, higher power, Jesus, whatever it is, okay? So that's the second one, believe. And the third one is then challenge your core beliefs, Because core beliefs are what we get fed as a child. So, for example, when you're in an abusive relationship or when you're with parents who are emotionally unavailable or possibly abusive, alcoholic, um, whatever. Narcissistic. Narcissistic, that's a huge one. When you're in those kinds of relationships, you're going to be hearing, I'm not good enough, I'm not as good as them, there's no room for me, there's no space for me. I was asthmatic till I was 42, right? No surprise. I couldn't breathe. Severely asthmatic. I could not breathe because I didn't want to take up any space, so I had to keep my breathing shallow. So those were things that I was fed as a child. So as an adult now, you can challenge them. You can say, Mm, Am I I really not pretty? Is that true? Who told me that? Where am I getting that thought? And you can say, "Mm, I don't need, no, I don't need that. Thank you. Again, I'm making it sound easy. But there's work that has to be done in between. You have to be able to listen to the voice first and let it talk and then challenge it. So you let it talk and you let it say you're ugly, you're awful. There's a process I do with voice dialogue. You're ugly, you're awful, you're terrible, you're really that. That's one voice. But then you have this other voice inside of you that knows that you're a beautiful person with a beautiful soul and a beautiful spirit. And you let that person talk. And then you find a, you kind of find a nice happy medium between the two of you so that when you hear yourself saying negative things like, oh, you're so stupid, or oh, you're so ugly, or oh, you're so fat, you go, mm, I think you're, no, I don't think I want to listen to you right now. Thank you for sharing, but I think I'm going to listen to the side of me that knows that I'm a beautiful, I'm a beautiful soul, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the ABCs, aware Believe and challenge your core beliefs. And it's not just shutting off your mind. It's, it's actually challenging that core belief. I mean, you know, the truth is, is, you know, when your daughter says you're beautiful, are you beautiful? I have a beautiful soul. And, oh, there you, so there was a part of you that was still <laughs> not beautiful. <laughs> I've always thought my grandparents were so influential with me, Jackie, and it was like they were very old school. So <clears throat> for me, it was always, you know, even in today's time, my daughter will hold the door open. And, you know, she's had 34 surgeries and she was born without a tongue. And, 
she oh. um, eats on a feeding tube and it connects and she had a tracheostomy and so like she'll hold the door open and you know she will hold the elevator she will make everybody wait and tell you you have to remember without a tongue and i've taught her to change some of her words so instead of knee because your tongue goes up through your mouth she'll say i want so she'll say um have a nice day you know and she always says you know thank you and you're welcome and yes sir yes ma'am and people are like what that doesn't exist anymore and you know she knows that's you know and no matter what I've been through, she can come tell you right now, my mom has never yelled at me. She's never spanked me because I believe that there is a way of getting your point across without doing something you will regret down the road later in life. And, mm -hmm. the, and I always tell her, I said, you need to think about the words you say because those can't come back. Like those words can never come back. Like, you know, she has friends that parents say, oh, you've been such a burden in my life or whatever. And I tell her my greatest honor is being her mom. Like mm -hmm. she's been my greatest honor. And I'm, I'm just inspired by her every day and everything mm -hmm. she's ever come and accomplished. And she advocates for everybody. She was on, you know, which we know is the Jerry Lewis telethon. She was a Make-A-Wish final. Uh, she was a Make-A-Wish recipient. And then she was on the uh, Make-A-Wish finalist uh, with the Children's Miracle Network. Mm -hmm. And all she does is pay it back since she was four. She give we do a fundraiser every year and she gives it to kids that are in chronic facilities. Um, like she'll go up and say, Oh, Jackie, I wanted to give you a present. Now, if your sisters were in the room, she would say, This is my fault. Uh Jackie wanted me to get you something for Christmas and I forgot to put the tags on it. So you guys just come pick out whatever you want, but they're from your sister. And she started that all on her own and she's never wanted any of the gifts. She's like, this is my gift. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing it since she was four. And, you know, she's just got the biggest heart. And I love that. And she's like, I can say that I have this, even though everything I've been through, because I have that support and non-judgment of my mom. You know, and I was a single mom for 13 years. Mm -hmm. And so she knows, like, we'll we get through it. You know, we don't quit. That's how it is. So. You know, I love that for her. So, but that doesn't answer the question about why, you know, what about your beauty, about owning your beauty. I mean, that's a, the most beautiful thing my mother could have done for me would be to have owned her beauty, to have owned her beauty. I mean, she took me to a plastic surgeon to have my thighs cut off when I was 15. Um, oh. Yeah. So, you know, imagine if she had said to me, doesn't matter how, you know, you're beautiful, you're a beautiful soul, you're beautiful, you know, we don't look at, we don't look at how we look on the outside, because we look at how we make people feel, and when we make people feel beautiful, we are beautiful. Right. So Jackie, are you beautiful? Yes, I am beautiful, right? And so I say the same thing to you, Victoria, are you beautiful? Yes, Jackie, I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. You are beautiful. Look at your smile. You're gorgeous. I mean, it's uh, somewhere you heard, somewhere you got that message. And that's the kind of work that we have to do. Where did you get that message? Growing up with a non-diagnosed narcissistic family, and I was the black sheep, <clears throat> and then my ex was yes. incredibly abusive. But I, from day one, I told her she won't get that mom. She deserves better. She's fought for me to be here, and she won't get that. And that's what snapped me back. Um, and she, uh, I tell her, we always have to pay it forward at least once a day. That's our go-to thing. No, no deviating from it. So 
Right. And we all have to, we have to love who we are. So, Mommy, you're beautiful. Yes, I am. Thank you. Thank you. That's the kind of dialogue that has to, that's the chatter. Um, because the, no matter what you say, you're saying to your daughter, she knows. She's living with you. She knows that look in your face. She knows something's wrong, that I'm, your mom doesn't really think she's beautiful. But imagine if mom said it's okay to be beautiful. You know, it's okay to like yourself as a, obviously growing up with a narcissist and you know, this the narcissist, you can't be any more beautiful than a narcissist. They, they consume all the oxygen in the room, right? It's all about them. It's all about them. You can't shine. Right. Absolutely not. Right. But you've stepped out of that. And that's where you, that's the kind of work that we have to do to, you know, that I do with clients is to help them step out of that you you don't want to be your own abuser anymore so you you step out of that role now i'm not i'm not going to abuse myself so i'm not going to allow my chatter um to bully me anymore and so you step into i'm beautiful i'm capable i'm lovely i'm an in i'm i'm you know you focus on everything that's that's beautiful about you and and again you're 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 so beautiful that it's it's funny to uh, yeah it's funny that you can't own this uh, you know, so that's your abusive brain chatter, and that's when you say to you, thank you, you find out why it's saying it. There's a reason it's telling you you're not beautiful. Something is, I don't know what the reason is. I mean, that's something you have to do, but there's some reason it's not allowing you to let go of that chatter, and that's what you have to get in touch with. I think when you grow up in that situation, it's kind of the same thing when you're in an abusive situation, like with your spouse, your ex-spouse, and you hear it every single day then it kind of just becomes a way of the world. Like as a child, we look at our parents to be the role models, to plant the foundation of who we want to be, how we want to be, who we want to be with. They're supposed to like our dad is supposed to show us what a man is supposed to be like, what a man is supposed to be like to his daughter. Um, He's not supposed to use you as an excuse to bring you around other women. He's not supposed to use you to, um, be an excuse to go and see other women and so I had who I didn't want to be from them and everything and then some I wanted to be from my grandparents and it was just so so different and I was never good enough I was definitely the black sheep I was never good enough I never had a relationship with my mother um and nothing I ever did was good enough didn't matter and so that stayed the whole time and then when I went through what I went through it was well you stayed you deserved it and then you know you you deserved everything he ever gave you and like I was really excited once and I said I made it today was my three-year anniversary of my rebirth of getting away and you and my I call him my sperm donor no offense to anyone who gets offended by that word and he says well why don't you go put your hand in the door and slam it so you don't forget what any of that felt like like that was a common thing that I would get like go slam your hand in the door or you know why don't you go you know, bash your head so you remember what that was like. You know, it was just, I i couldn't fathom saying something like that to my child. There is no way those words could come out of my mouth to my child. It just couldn't happen. Right. And yet we let them come out of our mouth to our, our inner child. Right. We let them come out to our inner child because our inner child believes you know, and, and hasn't challenged that core belief. So it's work to be done. It's like, I, you know, again, I say to myself, I didn't leave that horrible marriage and, uh, and, and live half of my life to uh, be my own bully. 
So I have to do the work. And there's wonderful things people can do. I mean, you know, they're, they're, I, it, it, and again, I'm making it sound simplistic, and I, I don't want anybody listening to think this is simplistic. Right. It's not just a matter of leave your abuser, leave your own self-abuser. Right, it's not that. It's work. I mean, you know, I had to, there's some, a, a thing called um, a binding agreement where we have an agreement with our parents or with somebody. And the agreement is, like for me, I will be good and invisible and you won't kill yourself, mom, right? So I, that was an agreement I had with my mom. And I didn't know it, but that was the agreement. So as an adult now, I have to say, um, no, I have to, that, that agreement doesn't work anymore, mom. Me being invisible and not showing up for myself to keep you alive doesn't work. So I'm going to renegotiate that agreement. In fact, I'm probably going to tear it up and I'm going to write a new agreement. And my new agreement is, is that if you want to kill yourself, if you want to, if you, if that's your life, I'm giving you back your life and I'm taking my life. We each are separate people now and I get to believe the way I want to believe. So I renegotiated that agreement, not verbally. I mean, it was after my mother died. You know, I wrote it down and I renegotiated it. Um, I did that with my father. Um, I did that with my sisters. I mean, any, you know, the, the agreement I had with my sisters was that I couldn't be pretty because they would make fun of me. If I, I had blonde hair, they didn't. I used to look in the mirror. I loved the way I looked. I, you know, as a child, I thought I was pretty. And they used to make fun of me and threaten to cut my hair off. Um, and so I would, so the agreement I made with them is I won't think I'm pretty and you won't make fun of me. Well, I had to renegotiate that and say, that's not true. You know, I, I, I no longer am going to believe you that I'm not pretty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my own belief. So that agreement is broken now. So those are the kinds of things that that's some of the work that we have to do in addition to dialoguing with that voice to figure out why it's still there. And then maybe doing some ceremonies to let it go. I'm going to let that Jackie go. You know, I was a victim. My, my, I was such a victim growing up. It was always about why did they get better presents than me? Why I'm not as good as my sisters. They're this. I have asthma. I can't do this. I'm so weak. I'm a victim. I can't, you know, it was just that was my, that was my comfort zone being a victim because then I didn't have to do anything. Right. And I realized I don't, that's not something I want to do anymore. Now I have to do the work. To not be a victim anymore, and that means not a victim of my own self sabotage and self self thought. And I, you know, I I can only imagine being verbally, um, being emotionally being being hit or harmed. I can only imagine the shame, mm-hmm. you know, that that brings up in us. It's like being a child being spanked, you know. Right. Right. You know awful it is just awful if you were to give sound advice before we go today to the listeners to take with them for them to completely remember like i tell families and things when i sit with them i say i want you to let this resonate with you and i want you to just constantly remind yourself you survived 100 percent of your worst days and just replay that in your head and they're like wow i didn't even think of that like no matter how bad that day is you made through it you you got through it so you have that inner light and you, you, we're going to make it shine again. We're going to make it just blinding bright. 
So if you could give advice to everyone, what would you say? What would your advice be? Mm, first, I just I want to acknowledge that what you what you were saying. I love that 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 you know that the little light. Um, yeah, I would say that um, that uh, look at exactly look at how your life look at how the first half of your life is, and say to yourself, do you want to go on the second half that way? Do you want to live? T- tomorrow like you lived yesterday and if the answer is no then get help get support get to a 12-step meeting get to a therapist and um and and learn to learn to let go of that uh, abusive brain chatter just that you we don't you don't deserve that you can create the life you want and that your spirit wants you to create a life and that your soul came into this planet beautiful and pure and got hidden away and and tucked away and now bring it now you get to bring it back and nurture it yourself right so um the other thing i would say just quickly is people think that i you know i you know that i uh, live my life that life is so easy for me you know i make it look easy um you know my life is happy joyous and free it, it isn't easy. I get up and I journal and I write. And when I'm depressed, I take a bath and I meditate. And I do the work every single day to get up and make every single day a day that I want, that I want to live. I, and so I just want to say that to people. It's, it's work. It's not easy. So don't beat yourself up again because you're not doing it. It's not easy work. Right. Just baby steps baby steps. Today, I will add 10 minutes of meditation to my life. Today, I will say only positive things about myself. Today, I will listen for that chatter and listen to it, but tell it, but, but, but believe something different. You know, just every day do something small. That's what I would say. Now, Ms. Jackie, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Um, you can go to my website. It's Jackie Elliott, CLC. So it's J A C Q U I E E L L I O T T C L C dot com. Um, I have a few meditations on there. Uh, if you're interested in workshops, you can always get on a list. Um, I do free workshops from time to time. I'm going to be doing a retreat a spiritual retreat on abusive brain chatter and helping people find that new voice. So, um, or just chat with me, just, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it's not about the money for me. It's about the, you know, I've been through it. Send me your story and, you know, I'm happy to share my experience, strength and hope as they say. You are such a light. Thank you for taking the time today to speak with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much.